Good morning and welcome everybody to Thoughtful Thursdays with Zachary Coffee. Now, before we begin today, I have some quick housekeeping to take care of. First off, it's that my series, Going Through the Book of Judges, is something that I'm not neglecting, but rather it requires a lot more reading than I realized. Because the Book of Judges is all about when the nation of Israel decide to not follow the laws of God that they were given to them by Moses, and once again reminded of by Joshua, I'm going to need to read through essentially Exodus, Joshua, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, uh, maybe Numbers, not quite certain, and then again, the Book of Judges another time. So it's going to require a lot of reading, a lot of note-taking, and until I get that completed, I'll be doing these regular types of podcasts where it's a lot more of as things come throughout life, as ideas and thoughts come to me, I'll write them down, them in the podcast, and that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of this year. I think this will go much better than last year, which was all a matter of sit quietly, waiting, do nothing, and then one come out every month or so if we're lucky. We are looking forward to this new year. Lots of things we're going to be taking care of. But one thing I want to say is before we get into the main theme for the day is whenever I do a project, I want to do it well and with a lot of what I'm looking for and do it with the exact quality that I want it to have. Basically, I want to do it justice. Speaking of which, we're now going into our main topic today. And that is we're going to be going about what it means when the devil's described as a roaring lion Seeking for whom he may devour when you read First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. So first, one thing about biblical analogies is you need to dig deep to them to figure out what they mean. So when it's an animal analogy, you probably will look into a little bit about those animals. And first and foremost, lions are crafty. They don't hunt in the way a cheetah does. So cheetahs are solitary hunters and they have to pick a single target to pursue with all their might. While lions are pack predators, that means they have to their advantage numbers. When lions hunt, they will divide themselves in two groups. One small group will be to cause a herd of prey to stampede in a specific direction. Sort of like dogs directing sheep, they will guide the herd of prey towards a place where the rest of the pride is hiding away to pounce onto that herd. And that's when they take down their catch. That's when they take down maybe two or three different animals of your herd. Let's say it's antelope or something like that. And that's when the pride will come in and eat after you've caught your prey. So Peter's descriptor of the devil being a lion is also prefaced by some other instructions to the church, primarily to be sober and vigilant. In some translations, they'll say be sober-minded, which has many different implications because our mind is described like our body and compared because both can be drunk in a sense. Physically, it makes sense. Have one too many drinks and you're stumbling about like an idiot. But as I said, whenever there's an analogy, you need to look more at the analogy itself and then apply the parallels. So drunkenness, as I mentioned earlier, comes when we are saturated by alcohol. So our body is able to process alcohol to a certain degree, at a certain rate, 
but when we are saturated, which means we have more than the body can process at that time, it will impair our inhibitions, we get stumbly walking, some people can hold it better and merely have slurs to their speech. But one thing that will happen is as our body gets overwhelmed, we change. One of the most common effects are dehydration of our body. And then there's also blackouts where we're not certain what we did during that time frame. So all these things happen when you drink. But here's the key phrase, when you drink, alcohol needs to be consumed and in certain qualities before you become drunk. Spiritually, it's the same way we look at what we believe and we consider. So reading the podcast, I mean reading the blog, which I'm turning into this podcast, I've written, the world is bombarding us with messages to stir up our passions and fears. It causes panic and worry, but these things shouldn't have control over our lives. We shouldn't let alter our thought process, which means we need to be hardwired through the lens of scripture. We can be concerned over something, but that concern is to be brought forth to God when we speak to Him. When we gather together with other Christians, it's for the express purpose of growing the knowledge of His omnipotence through which we can learn to trust Him. Something I didn't add in the blog, which, which I'm adding here, is that omnipotence means omnipotent, means He is all-powerful. And through the knowledge of His almighty being, and being all-powerful, we learn to trust Him. Is it easy? No. Are the times that we're confused? Yes, there will be. Because I know that in Isaiah, he describes his own ways, namely God's ways, as being high above our ways in the same way that the sky is high above us. Now, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's in 2 Timothy 1.7. A verse that I've many times and I've been working to memorize. I highly encourage you guys to memorize it as well. But what he's talking about is a sound mind. That means their mind is not chaotically tossed about by emotions. For the truth of who God is, that knowledge is the bedrock. It may sway in the sense of you've got a little bit of rocky seas, but it's not panicking about saying what we're going to do. When the seas come, Captain says, all right, rough weather, go through regular policies. If I do all the sea terminologies or what they do, I'd say them, but basically they know what to do in each situation. So when the certain situations come, they're sound. They've got that training from God's truth. That is the bedrock. Now, as I'm reading through the blog right now, I mentioned that, right, the mind remembers that God cares about, and part of that bedrock of truth is that the mind that sound remembers that God cares about us. They will listen to us when we come before him, boldly knowing our positions as his children who have the right to approach him. Read the Philippians 4 verses 6 through 9 to understand how we have the peace of God with us. But the short of it is when Paul wrote the letter to Philippi, he told them to be anxious for nothing but to turn to prayer, submitting their needs to God. Then he follows up that instruction with one that directs how they are to focus their thoughts to counter the things of the world, namely the anxiety that they struggle with, that they were struggling with in that time. And anxiety is not a new thing at all. It's something that all humans will deal with. 
And that's why it's so cool when Paul, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, talks about these things. And anytime at all when you read the scriptures or when a pastor, through the guidance and knowledge of the scriptures, by the, sorry, I'm trying to organize my words in my mind so it doesn't sound like I'm just reading a script, but when the scriptures are spoken to us and someone is speaking from them through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we know that those words will last forever. Those are God's words, and they truly last. They are for always true. And so, as God was telling through his servant Paul and through the people who will read the scriptures, that the way we focus our minds impacts how we view things. There are other verses talking in more details, but when Paul spoke to the church in Philippi, he said we are to focus our minds on what is true, on what is noble, on what is just, on what is pure, what is lovely and praiseworthy. Look at the news and you'll very see and you'll very rarely see these things. You might be lucky if you find something true, but the rest it's hard to find. When Paul wrote to Philippians, to the church of Philippi, he said that these things Truth, the things that are noble, the things that are just, the things that are pure, the things that are lovely, the things that are praiseworthy. These are to be our meditations, or the things that we purposefully consider, ponder, that we make an effort to focus on. And those things are highly important. There's a phrase, you are what you eat. The same thing exists for what you think about, or in our mentality, in our spirit, what we think about, what we consume, information and ideas. That is our mental food which is going back to what we talked about, be sober-minded. Control what you think about. Consider the thoughts you put into yourself along with the things you put out. What you put out is directly connected to what you put in. Now, going back to going back to the script here, and I used, if I was doing this on video, I'd have air quotes with my fingers saying, going back to the script. And it's something about truth that I want to focus in on. Paul tells us to meditate on truth. That's because truth will not change. It will provide us with a solid foundation. If you've read my book, Welcome to the Armory, which there are links to on the main site under the resources page for Isaiah118ministries.org, then you know that I go into detail about that, with the truth being the solid foundation, just like the Roman soldiers who had spikes on their sandals to give themselves a good foundation when they travel through territories. In the same way that truth gives us a good standing like the Roman soldiers and their spiked feet to give them good grip, truth is dead set on what is right and wrong. It doesn't change. It's solid. And we can move forward using it as our foundation with confidence and peace. Peace that doesn't say, I'm ignoring everything, sticking my head in the sand, this peace that says, I'm going to step forward, I'm going to be calm, I'm going to know what I know is true, I'm going to follow that. And that is so important, that we have a truth that doesn't change. Because something that our world is putting forward is the idea of your truth, that truth changes from person to person, that it changes from a person's experience to another person's experience, which gives them a new truth. That idea is wrong, but many things that are wrong have some piece of right that makes people believe it. And it's that experience reveals truth. It's not that truth changes from person to person, 
but that each person will go through things that find an already existing truth. So a person can read the scriptures and know from there. So let's take the scriptures. There is personal experience in hearing the accounts from others. You can personally experience something, like say a miraculous healing, and you praise God. Or you can hear a testimony from someone else of a miraculous healing, and you praise God. What is the truth being revealed in that scenario? That God is all-powerful, that God is able to heal. Those things don't change, regardless of whether you experience it or heard from someone else who experienced it. That is a truth that will not change. But that truth changes from person to person, the answer is, that idea is false. Truth doesn't change from person to person. And whatever one has truth, one must consider them and compare it to scripture. Because all truth will eventually point to God, because God is the source of all truth. Now, going back to the initial script here, where we're talking about lions. Okay, sorry, I missed an important step, which I'm going to need to talk about. So, as we're talking about going through truth, now it never changes. One of the places where it doesn't change is what is right and what is wrong. Moral right and moral wrong never change. It's just hard to see what is morally right and wrong as you go through life. Because our emotions will say, this is what I want. And we always want to do what we want, even if it's easy or better for us, compared to what is right as a result of our sinful nature. And here's an example from my own life. So one time, one day at my job earlier this week, year, I need to do some overtime and work on a Sunday. I personally don't like working on Sundays because growing up, it's always been the family day of rest. I was considering calling in sick that day, but when I expressed my feelings to my parents over the phone as I was running errands on Saturday night, what they did was remind me that it would be dishonest to do so. Not only was it dishonest, that one act would also ruin my witness of faithfulness to the company working when they asked me to help them. Now as I wrote this and as I'm reading it, I am reminded of the decision that that my decision in that action was putting into practice the words of Paul who wrote a letter to the Romans. And he said in Romans 12 verse 2, I do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, in that little action, I chose to do what is good. I did not choose to conform to the image of this world, to the patterns, by calling it sick. But rather, I chose to do what is good. To do what is hard, but what is right. One thing I want to finish off this story, not story, but I want to finish off this podcast by going back to our conversations about the lies we had in the beginning. Going to how they hunt, we know that the enemy will use one thing in life to bring us into the sides of something else. Just like the lions will stampede the herd of antelope, in our example, into the winning lions, the enemy will use one thing to bring us into the sides of something else that's going to take us down. In my example, it would have been a single dishonest moment where I would have behaved like everyone else does. Calling sick when I wasn't even sick just to avoid work. That was a very worldly behavior based on selfishness. I was so focused on running away from the initial lions attacking me from the back that I didn't realize the lions that were lying in wait for me to make a bad decision. 
One other important detail to this story is that my work, which is in manufacturing, had been struggling to meet customer demands, and due to this, many of us had also been doing a lot of extra work. This was compounded by lacking the personnel needed to achieve the goals since people were leaving once it got difficult for them. That's why we were being asked with coming in earlier, staying later, and coming in on the weekends like it was facing at that moment. I was worn out and tired of the extra hours being required of me, which brings us to a new point that I didn't even realize needed to be made. Being alert also includes knowing our own conditions, and when we are tired, weary, or anything else like that which alters our way of thinking. Like I said, you need to be sober-minded, and your mind can be altered, a state of altered being and thinking. Just like alcohol changes your own way of thinking, so too can emotional factors change it as well. As well. And so being alert and sober-minded means you need to know when you are dealing with something that would alter your way of thinking, so you need to be aware of that. From knowing about those things and how our mind can be changed in thinking, we're able to take actions that prevent us from going down bad roads. In my case, it was my parents expressing my and expressing my frustrations to them. Because they heard what I was saying, they were able to correct me on the right path. I believe that was the Holy Spirit telling me to call them. Because it didn't it's one of those things where I didn't hear them, but it's one of those things like I just need to call my parents and talk to someone. Now, a simple acronym that I heard growing up that can help you in knowing what type of situations will alter your thinking is the acronym HALT, or H-A-L-T. And this stands for four states of mind that we need to be more aware of when we have situations. And these states of minds are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. These all have a way of impacting your thought process. One joke that makes my point is people saying, never grow grocery... Ugh, can't speak today. Let's try that again. It's never go grocery shopping while hungry or you'll buy the whole store. Okay, some of you are probably laughing, but we know it's true. When we go into a place while hungry, we'll just start buying whatever looks good at that moment instead of what was written on our list. This brings us back to verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 5, which tells us to resist the devil steadfast in our faith. And for most of us, what we have to resist is the urge to do something while emotionally charged with something other than God's peace, joy, grace, or any other of the fruits of the Spirit. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus uses the analogy of a fruit-bearing vine to describe the life of a disciple, saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. When we read this verse, it's with the understanding that the nothing which Jesus is referring to is living a life empowered by God to be witnesses to others about him. It also includes having the strength to resist the devil. In order to do our works as Christians, we need to remain strong by abiding in Jesus Christ. It is the only way we can be strong. We need to make him a priority in our life. And on that little note, and as a teaser for next week, it's the reason why so many churches begin the new year with a week of prayer and fasting. They spend that week to dedicate themselves to God. They choose a time to say, we're going to spend this time, we're going to draw closer to God, we're going to deny the body, meaning we're going to deny something that we, the flesh, the simple desires, we're going to deny ourselves that to pursue godliness. So for some people that is 
we're going to read our Bibles. The classic fast is we're not going to eat. For other peoples, it is I'm not going to go on social media. I'm not going to read a certain book series or story series. I have done several digital fasts. Food fasts, not so much. But digitally, and just unplugging myself from the thoughts of the world has been very, very beneficial to me. And the whole point is they cease to do one thing so that they can choose to use that time to go after God. And that allows them to go deeper and go into a stronger relationship with Him. And it's that depth of relationship which gives us strength. Next week I'm going to be doing a episode or blog post, depending on how you go through this, whether it be blog or by podcast. But the next post on this Thoughtful Thursdays will be talking about prayer and fasting. And until next time, courage and Godspeed.